You're listening to Fish Food, where we present bite-sized accounting and entrepreneurship advice in 25 minutes or less. Keep listening for interviews, guidance, and resources for freelancers and small businesses. And if you enjoy, rate and subscribe to let others know about the gem you found. Now, let's get started. Hello. Hello. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. So, welcome to Fish Food. This is a podcast from Little Fish Accounting. I am your host, Keila Hill Trawick. And today, I'm here with Nikita Mitchell. Live from the She Podcast Conference. Yes. Um, we're sitting in the Buzzsprout studio. And yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> this is so much fun. So we met on Instagram, kind of Twitter. Is that how we met? I think so. I was trying to remember the other day. Yeah, I think we moved from Twitter to Instagram. Instagram friends are real friends. Yeah, and then I visited <laughs> her and Raleigh. Yeah, And it was amazing. And, and then she, told, she stole my... Um, my partner is her friend. Yeah. We're all best friends now. But you're my friend first. Hey, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, today um, really wanting to talk about um, a new series that I want to implement, which is around people who are have an entrepreneurial spirit or have an entrepreneurship um, I hate side hustle, but passion project on the side, but work for somebody full time. And so yes. why don't we start with you giving me a brief bio about your current position and your passion project? Yeah. So full time in my day job, I work at Cisco in tech and I am responsible for strategic planning initiatives for our America's sales organization. It's a lot of words. Basically, I do business planning, business reporting for a really large part of our company. Okay. Um, And that's my day job. And I, in my spare time, do a lot of things, one of which (laughs) is Above the Bottom Line. And Above the Bottom Line is primarily right now a newsletter, but a platform that keeps watch on how companies respond to the biggest challenges facing humanity. And it's just this fun, lighthearted, witty newsletter that I send once a week that captures the news around corporate responsibility. So the the ways in which companies are or aren't responding to some of the most important issues that we care about, social justice issues, environmental issues, political issues. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. It's been I two love years. The Yay! And you're a Patreon supporter. I yes, <laughs> it's awesome. It's an awesome newsletter. Yeah. If you are not already on it or aware of it, definitely go to Above the Bottom Line and sign up. But I want to go back a little bit in terms of work and just talk about how did you get started in the working world? Were you always in tech? Like, yeah. how did that journey get you to Cisco? It's kind of accidental. I mean, I have always been in business. I I studied business in undergrad, went into management consulting, like the very stereotypical route. And then um, after a short stint in the nonprofit space where I was like, get me out, (laughs) I went to business school. And it was there where a mentor of mine or kind of more of a sponsor, he was a partner or director at Deloitte. um, And he wrote one of my business school recommendation letters he went was at cisco and he was like come be my chief of staff and i was just like sure what does cisco do (laughs) (laughs) tell me more and i was like you want he sent me a linkedin message it was like yo you want this job like you interested and i was like you want to tell me more about the job (laughs) i probably do but just explain it to me a little bit and it's so funny he called me the next day and was like hey here's the information i know you need to talk to heather to get her permission so call her and then call me back (laughs) let me know like yo for real so that's how i fell into tech literally somebody who thought that i would be the best person on his team for the role that he had and it was a consulting group within cisco that 
three months within ending up at Cisco actually was closed down, was shut down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but being the sponsor that he is, he kind of positioned me into another group and so I've been there for the past four years we all think that we know what we want to do when we're children or early on like was tech the direction that you were headed from jump or did it only happen because of kind of how these circumstances fell in your favor absolutely only because of the circumstances like Mm -hmm. I went to grad school at Berkeley and a lot of my peers were pursuing careers in tech oh yeah and I was not even remotely considering tech jobs Um, But I was also in a place where I was not sure what I wanted. I was looking into design consulting. I had worked at a design consulting firm for my internship. And so I was looking at those kind of places at the time. But then I kind of slowly decided I didn't want to go into client service again. Okay. So I was in that place of like, I know what I don't want. What do I want? And that's when his message came through. Ah, Yeah. The universe. The universe. I mean, yeah, I was, I just kind of thought he was crazy he wanted to hire me as his chief of staff i had no tech experience i didn't know what they sold i couldn't tell you what a router or a switch was right girl i barely can (laughs) and i'm in the sales organization (laughs) and you know it was just like okay well if he wants to take a risk on me like what do i have to lose and that was what a lot of people told me it's like okay well if you if you fuck this up royally what's the worst that's gonna happen you start right back where you were clueless about where you can't lose and here I am. They haven't fired me yet. I'm good. <laughs> so it sounds like up to this point, you like the job. Yeah. You like what you're doing. What prompted you to want to build above the bottom line? The past four years, I would say, have been a whole roller coaster of emotions about loving and liking and hating my job. Yeah. Like most people, yeah. I think. Um, I, I actually don't think I would have believed you if you told me I'd still be here at Cisco. A couple years ago, I was really, well, three years ago now, it's like 2016, I was really bored at work. I felt underutilized. I was working for people I didn't really respect. Yeah. Um, And so I was job searching pretty actively and a few things almost came to fruition and one job that wasn't a good fit I got an offer for and I just had to kind of take a step back and be like, is that what I want? Right. And so it was talking to a mentor who was like, girl, you have like the dream situation. You're bored at work. You got hella time. I work from home. Yep. So it's not like I have to go into somebody's office. Yep. You're underutilized. You have all this extra time. You could do what you want. She was like, create something. And I was like, oh, but I don't have nothing to create. Like, <laughs> we all think that. Right? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have no ideas. So she was like, well, you know, think about it. Right. And shortly after that, the immigration ban happened in um, February of 2017. And I don't know if you remember that weekend, but hella people were at airports protesting. Oh, yeah. And like all of our lawyer friends were like doing pro bono work to try to help people with their visa issues, immigration issues. And I'm not a big, I don't like crowds that much. So I don't really go to protests like that. But like, I was just like, I need to do something. Right. What does that look like? I have something to offer here. I have something to offer. And it was like a combination of a few things one of them this reading this new york times article that highlighted all the ways in which companies were responding to the immigration ban Mm. which companies were or weren't silent and i just was like yo we need more content like this how do we keep up with the companies like do the companies i support are they standing on the right side of this yeah you know i need to know and then i was like okay well i have social media experience i have writing experience i know how to create newsletters And I had been kind of sitting with this podcast idea for Above the Bottom Line in the background for a while. And I was like, well, why don't I launch it as a newsletter? 
I can do I can do a thing. I can do even a if it's thing. not that thing. So within 48 hours, I literally created a landing page, MailChimp newsletter set up. I sent it to like 50 people that I thought might be interested, like yep. in just Gmail. And I posted it on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I know my mama will sign up. You know, my sisters might sign up. Like somebody's going to sign up. And within two weeks, I had 200 like subscribers. And That's I was like, wild. oh, shit, like people care. People really want this information. And honestly, it's taken off since then in a way that like, I don't know what I, I didn't have expectations other than like, I'm having these conversations all the time. Yep. So why don't I put it in a format that people can consume it and share it and yeah. reference it later if they want it. So that makes me think about like, obviously, when we start things with our expectations or even without expectations, like we're like, this is kind of why I'm doing it. You know, when I started Little Fish, had very clear, like, I want to make sure that accounting is accessible to people who wouldn't otherwise have yes. an accountant. But then as you do more, as it grows, your needs, wants, desires, expectations for it change. So why do you keep doing it? Like, is it the same reason for when you started it? Or how has that kind of moved in a way as ABL gets bigger and older? It definitely has evolved. Um, but when I take a step back and even think about why I care about these issues, I've always cared about social impact and the intersection of business and social impact in yeah. particular. And I went to business school feeling like, there is no career that exists for me right now because the things that matter are still brewing to mainstream. Yeah. Um, so I knew there would be no like clear path for the things that I want to do with my career. Okay. Um, but I knew that I would get the right skills in that space. And I firmly believe that we were just at this pivotal point in business where companies were going to be forced to start to make decisions uh, that were more conscious yep. than they had in the past. Yeah. They were going to have to consider factors that they didn't previously have to consider. Um, they will have to think about the unintended consequences. Yeah. And even the consequences that they were aware of that they weren't accountable for. Or that you thought nobody was paying attention to. Exactly. Yeah. And so I've always believed that. And I think with Above the Bottom Line and launching the newsletter, what I've seen is that there is more attention being paid to it. So there's more media coverage that I can even like curate and, yeah. and create a conversation around. There's more awareness. So people are hungry for the information yeah. in a way that they weren't always. Um, they're more knowledgeable about the issues that they care about. So everybody might not care about all the issues. So they might not care about water and, you know, living wages and parental leave. But, but they care about something. They care about something and they want to know how the companies are, are dealing with it. And so I think with above the bottom line expectations it has grown because I feel like the it's become more critical than ever yeah. in the conversation because what I love about above the bottom line and the feedback that I get from other people about what they love is that I make this conversation more accessible to people who otherwise wouldn't be paying attention to some of this news yeah yeah either they don't know or don't care a combination of both but exactly. at least it's being presented to them exactly Okay, one of the things that we talked about off mic and that we've talked about just in general is this idea that like a lot of, I blame social media for everything, but <laughs> a lot of life, a lot of society, a lot of social media will push you to say, if you love that so much, that should be your full time. Mm. Like, why are you doing this other thing if you really want to put your energy behind that? So yeah. I'd like for you to talk just a little bit about like why this decision to work full-time and do what you're doing there and not necessarily jump ship to yeah. do above the bottom line full-time? Yeah. Well, 
I was living in the Bay Area for the first few years out of grad school, and I only recently moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. And one big difference I've noticed between the conversations that I used to have there and that I have now is people constantly used to ask me in the Bay Area, are you going to make this your full time? Yeah. Is this going to be a thing? Is this going to be a startup? Like, are you going? Because otherwise it's like, why are you doing it? Exactly. Whereas now people are like, oh my God, that's so awesome. Like, how long have you been doing? It's like more rich conversation. And I think it's allowed me to take a step back and think more about what it is that I want. I didn't feel like, I felt like I I knew I didn't want it to be a full-time thing in the Bay, but like, I almost felt this pressure to figure out how it could be. Right. Whereas now I'm pretty confident I don't want it to be a full-time thing. And part of it is, one, I have a day job that provides me significant financial stability. Right. You know, I think that that is highly undervalued. Very much so. It gives me a level of peace of mind and comfort. Um, as a child of immigrants, as a black queer woman, yeah. as a woman in a relationship with another black queer woman, yeah. it's like, I don't take that for granted. To be able to pay my bills, to be able to live comfortably, to have live in health insurance. Good. Exactly. Yeah. And we're okay. So it gives me the creative, it gives me the mental capacity to have creative freedom, to be honest. Yeah. You know? I say a lot that like, there's a lot you can do with your time and space when you don't have to worry about keeping the lights on. And that's on. it. Like, that's if I'm it. not in struggle mentality, there are so many things it's that I can such offer a privilege. to the world. Yeah. It is a huge privilege. And I'm not going to throw it away without it being for something that I know is what I want. And then the other level is just like, I do love having multiple streams of income. I like yeah. having my day job. I love that Above the Bottom Line is self-sustaining because I have a Patreon. I would like to grow it. I, I realize that over time my expectations have been a little bit too low. And we, I know we talked about this. In the past it was like, oh, how do I make enough money to make sure it doesn't cost me to run this right. thing? Now I'm like, oh, shit. I, I offer a lot of value. Right. And it doesn't have to be my full-time job to give me income. Right. And so that's the reframing that I'm currently. And reframing what success looks like and what does that mean exactly and like my expectations for what my time and the value that I bring to this thing is to society you know and without waiting for other people to validate it um, is important because I think at first I thought oh if you don't get enough patron patron supporters and if you don't get some sponsors which I hadn't I haven't even decided if I want sponsors because that's a complex thing when you're talking about corporate responsibility ethics wise but um it was just like oh no wait People do this all the time. Yeah. I can find a way to make this work. And I'm going to find a way to make this work. Yes. So what is next for Above the Bottom Line? What, I mean, we're obviously at a podcast conference, but the good thing about here is that I think we've been exposed to just a lot of different methods and resources that help you even beyond podcasting, just about marketing and structure and technical information, all of that stuff. So even, I guess, even before or while you've been at the conference, what have you learned or what do you want to carry forward to say, these are some next steps that I want to do with ABL and how I can get there? I really want to launch a podcast. Yes. I'm sure that was not a surprise. I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been thinking about this idea for a long time. So people who've been following me, who have been patrons are probably, They're like, probably like, it's about time. Oh, she's been talking about this <laughs> shit. Is she going to do it or not? And last summer, I actually did a pilot podcast. It's called Above the Bottom Line Conversations. It's, okay. It's available on my website if, if anyone wants to listen. But it was basically like conversations like these yeah. with friends of mine who are also interested in corporate responsibility, but maybe don't focus on in their day jobs so yeah, how yeah. did they integrate um, those two parts of their lives but the podcast that I want to launch is a little bit more focused on bringing those business conversations that 
typically happen in really boring context, yep. like the Wall Street Journal podcast, the HBR idea yeah. cast, which I'm a nerd, so I listen to them they're all. Fantastic, they're fantastic, but amazing. they're not necessarily but they're relatable not to engaging. the common person. Exactly. Yeah. And the people who follow above the bottom line, I used to think I would get a lot of people who are focused on corporate responsibility, like who are like career. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out that most of my followers and readers, they don't have any corporate responsibility responsibilities in their jobs. And ah. they just care deeply about issues and they want to make sure that they are just really smart, savvy consumers and, and that they are well aware informed. of Exactly. And also, they want to keep track of which companies um, are doing things so that if they're ever looking for jobs, yeah. they could be on the, like, they could be in, in the know. know. Yeah. So, I want to have uh, conversations with executives around the, the business decisions that they've made, the strategic choices that they've made related to environmental, social, and governance issues yeah. called ESG. And really, like, on. Like peel that back and and make it interesting and accessible to the average person. And then also, I think I'll have like sound clips from other people about what they care about, what companies they support, because the feedback I'm always getting is like, you know, who's doing well? Who should I support? Right. How do we share that information? Um, You know, build community around it. Exactly. Yeah. So tell the listeners where they can find you oh you can find me in all the places above the bottom line.com to subscribe first and foremost um, you can also find me Nikita at Nikita N-I-K-I-T-A T Mitchell with two L's dot com and I'm on Instagram at Nikita T Mitchell on Twitter I'm on Instagram at above the bottom line and also Nikita T Mitchell so you can find me in all the places with all the names yeah well I'm so glad that you're here thank you for joining me today yes thank you for doing this this is dope yeah I and like this hi Akila she's my accountant <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, there's good news. We've got additional free resources for you to get clear on your small business finances. Subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter by heading to littlefishaccounting.com slash subscribe and check us out on Instagram at littlefishaccounting. <laughs>